Good evening, Melroseans the world over. I'm Tom Catalini. I'm Jen LeClaire. I'm Sam. And I'm Tom Shampoo. And this Hi. is Let's Talk Melrose Melrose, a show where Melroseans talk to Melroseans about Melrose. We go end to end, north, south, east, west. We got it all covered here. Tom, what's the latest? You've been up in the woods every day now, I think. <laughs> I have been up in the woods. Actually, I've been up in the woods every day. You're right for a <laughs> <laughs> for a long time. Uh, the latest is it's really cold. That's, this today's weather. Oh Windy and cold, man. <laughs> Were there trees down today? I mean, the wind was unbelievable I, last night. I actually looked for some, um, and I did not see as many as I expected to see you, down. In the you wind. didn't see any trees in the woods? That's so weird. They <laughs> all got blown, they all all got blown away. <laughs> they're all, they're all gone. <laughs> it's a giant field now around the water. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't see as many down trees as I expected to. It was crazy. Everybody, everybody in my house is completely punch drunk because no nobody slept last night because it really felt like that the house was gonna get blown over. And it I, was crazy. It was crazy, and I, and I have those like nineteen fifties metal um, trash cans, you know, with the metal lids, and they were just <laughs> bouncing around all night. And I was like, I, I wonder them. if they're slamming into my car. Or what's <laughs> happening out there? Sounds but like I'm New Year's gonna, Eve. I'm just gonna wait it out, right? Yeah. <laughs> I got in trouble. I got in trouble by my wife because I didn't wake up because of the wind. So for oh. some reason, some reason it bothered her that I well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because if there was a disaster, you right. know, she, yeah, you, you wouldn't right. be there to, to rescue well, her. You just, you just wake him up and you say, Tom, there's a disaster. We need some help. And he jumped. He's the first guy. That would be jump right there. Is that, is that how it work, would work? Okay. All right. <laughs> yes. He's not going to detect. <laughs> he's not going to detect the disaster. But I will but respond. He's That's but he'll respond, respond to the disaster. If Good to know. If called, I mean, if called upon to serve, now, he will serve. What about uh, yeah disasters like the wind or like squirrel bandits or things like things like that? <laughs> oh yeah, I had a robbery. So the porch pirates, I yeah. guess, just as like a PSA uh, type yeah. announcement. Uh, I hate to I hate to bring it down a level right out of the gate, but um, we've heard of porch pirates, and so a friend of mine, uh, Dave Martin, was nice enough to bake some cookies, and he left it on the porch, and he texted me, and he said, "Hey, look on your porch. There's a nice treat." And I said, uh, "Geez, I just walked in, I didn't see anything. Let me go back out, and I'm texting back and forth." And there's no treat. So my uh, my daughter says, uh, why don't you check the security camera? And lo and behold, we see a little squirrel come up on the porch and take the cookies, like the whole bag, and yeah. just like run off. So I posted it on Facebook like a good citizen just so others could be yeah. warned. And if you can identify the squirrel, I would uh, like to have a word with him. Okay, we will we will keep that in mind. Well, maybe we, we might need to put that on the community pages and put it put it out there for, for yeah. assistance. I so think what you're saying. That, so, so what you're saying, the news is that we have to be aware because the squirrel's around, right? I'll, so I'll, first I'll of all, note you, of that. May, you, not known. you two may become a victim. And then also the perp, the perp needs uh, to be brought to justice, I mm -hmm. think. <laughs> Sounds like you should run for sheriff. <laughs> <laughs> yes. speaking, speaking of other good citizens... <laughs> We have we have more we have more good citizens. BFD Melrosians. Is there a, is there a um? There's no intro for There's that. No. We need a. There we go. There she there is. Our, 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 our own. 
Our favorite, one of our favorite BFD Malrosians, Eugenia Gibbons, made famous by uh, LTMM back in the day, and also uh, the 2021 Black Excellence on the Hill honoree, um, Kate Lipper-Garabedian, Representative Kate Lipper-Garabedian nominated Eugenia for her work in climate change at the state level. So we appreciate everything she's done. Environmental justice advocate, Eugenia. Fantastic. I feel like the world is going to be okay because she is going to run it someday soon. Yeah. Yeah. She's amazing. And it'll make it a better place. Congratulations. (laughs) Congratulations, Eugenia. Come on the show and talk to us about it. Oh, yeah. Yes. (laughs) She could be a guest. She could be a guest. (laughs) Leave Leave her in the green room. Um, and Jen, also, you were going to talk about um, a BFD, Maria Tremontosi, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. I can talk about that briefly. So um, uh, Maria Tremontosi, a lot of people uh, know her. She's uh, uh, she's long been a longtime uh, fan favorite in Melrose. She's an amazing, amazing singer. She had a, lo- <laughs> a long career in the Melrose drama department and was a favorite over there. And now she is a student at Manhattan School of Music, and she and her peers have put together um, a concert that just aired on Sunday on MMTV and it will continue to to, to loop and, and air. But um, they received a grant from the Massachusetts Cultural Council and the name of their concert was called Love Always. And basically it's like kind of your favorite Broadway tunes and, and show tunes and other songs that, that you know, um, but kind of flipped from a, a gender perspective. So um, some of the, um, uh, uh, female identifying uh, singers and performers are singing songs typically sung um, by male role, roles and, and vice versa. And um, uh, it, it's it's really wonderful. And um, Maria is amazing. So, and they put this all together under, you know, pandemic circumstances. And it, this is one of the first grants, um, one of the first few things that have rolled out from this year's um, crew of, of cultural council grantees so with the help of uh, mmtv and published mm-hmm. on the um, yep. you know went, went live on sunday but it's you can watch the uh, the uh, recording of it on the youtube channel anytime and it's probably also cycling around mmtv as well yeah <clears throat> yeah great and also a bfd shout out goes to the uu right Tom? yes yes I don't know which time you're talking about but i know that the uh, uu that's church Tom. applied for and got well-deserved uh PPP money, I forget, you know, from the one of the relief packages, if you're a business or institution in town, you could apply and they get qualified for the grant. And then they found that they thought they were in for some hard times. They had a very successful season if churches have seasons uh, uh, and uh, a lot of attendance and they weren't hurt bad, as bad financially as they thought. So what do they do? Those do-gooders over there, they figure out what can we do with this money rather than, uh, you know, put it in their pocket or buy some savings bonds or whatever. They decided to donate it to the bread of life. And this is serious cake, Tom Shampoo. Yeah. This is like 30 grand of, a lot, yeah. uh, of money. Yeah. yeah. So they qualified the loan. Be- they qualified for the loan. The loan became a grant all by the books, according to the federal relief program. And I think uh, many businesses would, uh, would be tempted to keep that for a rainy day and maybe try to find some appropriate use within the business. And I thought this was quite generous that they, they gave it out to uh, Bread of Life, which is uh, expanding their services and the, the amount and number of people that, uh, and families that they are feeding and supporting uh, drastically. So it's just really great to see that reported by Mike Karaji in the patch. Yeah, that's, that's that guy. A- that guy, yes, friend of the show. Yes. Fren- frenemy, maybe. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah except, ex, except that he was asking about what podcast he should be listening to. I don't know why that's a question, but whatever. Right, LTMM. <laughs> Seems to be an easy right, answer. Yeah. By the way, that's another public service announcement we can get out there. This very oh, show is available in podcast form. It publishes every Tuesday night. Many people download it all throughout the night and all throughout the next week uh, to listen to the audio version. It's very satisfying. I hear a lot of five-star ratings. <laughs> I think they, they must feel like we have faces for radio instead. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they hear us that way. I hear no, all the squirrels. A lot of people are logging off right now. Like, oh, no kidding. I'm going to just <laughs> walk exactly. away and listen as I clean. Oh. All the all the squirrels listen. That's what I. Heard. But one place they can't get these uh, faces to hide is at the Melrose Chamber of <laughs> Commerce because uh, we became members as we you know we found the loophole that they there are basically no requirements so we applied. And I got think in. they closed that loophole already though. I, I once think we that found was the it, they closed it up. Business. Uh, <laughs> one jerk at a time. <laughs> yes. So we all they're, they're rewriting the bylaws. We all descended. Yeah. We all showed up at the meeting last week, and there's uh, 20, 30 people in the meeting. So there's four of us representing <laughs> our, our organization. And I have to say, it was quite a uh, professional, uh, you know, shindig. And they elected new offices and did their business. But uh, Denise Gaffey did a presentation about the you know, developments happening in Melrose. And there was just, you know, you can see that's where the uh, business leaders of the community come together to, to, to share information and, and get together. So it's nice to see. Uh, those folks come together and move things forward. It's, it's fun to listen in, I thought. Absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, in all, in all seriousness, where, you know, we are there to, to listen in and, and, and participate. I mean, I know we're, we're, we're cheeky and we joke around here a lot, but um, we, we, you know, hope we can be helpful and, and hope we can, hope we can learn more, hope we can help, um, you know, continue to communicate and disseminate information back and forth between different parts of the city and, um, work with Jen Manning, who's coming in as the new ED. So I'm, I'm, I'm just excited to, to learn more about them and, and be more involved, frankly. Yes, we're further ingrained into the fabric <laughs> of this community. That's right. We are a stain that will not be washed away. That's right. <laughs> 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 well said, and now it is time for the news. Tom Shamp Shampoo hey. will lead us off. I will? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we went over this in the pre-show meeting. I know. What do I do? What do I do? Um, I am just uh, pointing out this. It, this is the last of I think it was three installments in the uh, in the paper from our friend and uh, recent guest on LTMM, Jim Bennett. Yes, and he has a third installment of his series of um, African American history in uh, Melrose throughout the last 150 years or so, actually more than that, I think, but primarily post-Civil War. Um, I really enjoyed reading these. I feel like it gave me a really interesting and unique perspective on the city, part of the city I didn't know before. So I enjoyed reading them. And if you have not seen it, again, go take a look at these. Uh, they're on there. I, I read them in the weekly news, the Melrose weekly news, and they're available online on the weekly news. Um, this last episode, episode, or this last installment, I should say, um, focused on sort of the transition in, away from Blacks being able to own homes, buy homes, rent homes, and live in Melrose um, uh, in one capacity to then suddenly feeling like, like they were no longer invited or a part of that community anymore. And so uh, Jim kind of outlines a couple of stories, um, a woman who was not allowed to have a baby at what was called the the 
the, the sanatorium, sanatorium yeah sanatorium, sanatorium yeah. right over which is the only, now the medical center by spot pond um, that was a hospital back in the day and so in 19 i think 1912 or 14 uh she had to be uh she, she was asked to leave or she left because they said they would not deliver her baby then she had to go to boston to have the baby and then there was a big public outcry but nobody covered it so it's fascinating stuff so again i like these sto the stories and i and i encourage folks to go read those so thank you jim for that information yeah yeah that's and they great do have a survey which i just posted the link um right you want to take and then also, uh, just as we were talking about becoming more deeply ingrained in the fabric of the community, one of the listeners has posted that we might need to Febreze that fabric. <laughs> Wait, the what? <laughs> we might need to what? Febreze? Haven't you seen the commercial where the mom comes into the room? I know the Febreze, but, yeah. but what fabric? Oh, the fabric of the, the community. Fabric of the community. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a long get, day. It's been a really we long day. After we get there. <laughs> right, exactly. We're explaining right. jokes now. It's going on. I know. This will not be good for the podcast. Um, but I do want to say quickly, I just can we can we just reiterate that the the thing about the the, the survey? Um yes, I, I think we I hope we yeah, yeah it's there. Perfect. Um so there's there's two main there's two main purposes for, for that. Um they are looking to hear from the community um which stories most resonated with you. I mean, they, were, they put a lot of content out there. Yeah. Um, they're interested in finding out what 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 landed well with the with the community and what you want to learn more about. And then ha there was a lot of comments. We said this um, in the in the last show with with Jim. There were a lot of comments from the community on Facebook saying, "Oh, we should do more to to memorialize this and commemorate this. There should be a plaque. There should be this or that." So the second part of the survey is, um, how might we want to do that? Is it you know festivals and celebrations? Is it um, wayfinding is it plaques is it permanent public art is it temporary public art so there's there's some options there that they want to that they want to hear from they've talked to um, folks uh, in the arts community and with the Melrose Cultural Council about um, some ideas and some ways to do that so they're looking for those two things cool nice. yeah um, so yes the post is there um, also um, I'm about to hit post on the Melrose Education Foundation is sponsoring a special parent you called Interrupting Racism, March 15, 22, and 29. Um, registration is required, but it is free. Also, you can provide a donation if you're interested. Um, but I will be there. Is anybody else going? Or do yeah. I have to report back? No, I'm going <laughs> to go. go. Okay, good. <laughs> it's on um, Mondays, right? Those, yes. are, those are Mondays? Yeah, I can do that. Uh, the Ides uh, of March. Yeah, mm -hmm. sweet. So we'll tell you guys what uh, what we've learned. Um, and also the diversity task force members were announced on Friday night. Um, I found that out as I was walking around and Twitter happened. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm gonna post the members of the diversity, the diversity, equity, inclusion, anti-racism task force, advisory task force. Um, they seem like a really cool bunch and we do have one of them um, tonight on the show. Yeah. <laughs> So great. Here she comes. <laughs> oh, we like her already. <laughs> I hit the stop button and it started again. Hello, everybody. Hey, Jazzy Thomas, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So I do feel really awkward that I'm sandwiched between two Toms and above two Jens. I don't know. I, I think I got to go. <laughs> too much. Too much. What's he doing over there? Yeah, yeah. there. <laughs> What's he doing over there? So, Jim, I'm glad you're here. Uh, thank you very much for helping us understand um, 
what's going on in the world of school committee and this new diversity task force. So thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we we sort of uh, we sort of double double booked you because you 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 play right. those two we two play you play those two ro two roles and we wanted to talk a little a little bit about both. So um, thanks for being here. Yeah. My, so I think it's really interesting about the task force because we haven't met yet. So I can't really, I can't give you an update about how much we're going to do. I can tell you kind of what my hopes and dreams are, but, you know, and I think it's a great group of people. I don't know all of them, but I'm really excited about right. it. But very so quickly, it's, so it's, it's five people who are assigned to the task force and then six more from the communities, six from, yeah, so from the city. So I think there's liaisons from you know certain boards and whatnot, but there's right. a group of five that were very you know I think it was a really tough decision in the mayor's office to try to figure out who they were going to pick because they had 30 candidates I think that applied. Wow. And then you know they they very passionately and um, vulnerably explained why they wanted to be on this task force. And then I wouldn't envy the people making that decision. I'm sure it was Paul and probably some of the folks that work for Paul. But yeah, I mean, it's an incredible group of people. I can't wait to meet them. So you're the school's representative on the task force. The committee's, yeah, school committee's yeah. representative. Yeah. So you're coming with that perspective. What are you? What are you hoping to kind of shed light upon at, with that seat at the table? Um, well, I, I mean, I think that I work in a school and I'm also a social worker um, and, you know, like that's the work that I've been doing for 25 years now. So I feel like, you know, while this has got a lot of momentum behind it, it's work that I've been doing for 25 years in different types of capacities. So I'm just thrilled to be part of the city doing this work. And um, as far as the school committee goes, like the school committee has been really talking about this you know, before COVID hit, um, everyone on the committee is really, really committed to social justice. And um, it, so it's, it's, it's kind of interesting how this whole momentum has built over the last year along with the pandemic. Um, so I think this, you know, the country, the city, the state um, is very ripe for conversations. And I really hope that we'll be able to figure out how to have, you know, very uh, enlivening, deep, conversations as a community and not have it be polarized because I think you know the world is so polarized and social media can create a lot of polarization um, when you're not face to face with people and you're frustrated about a pandemic that can cause polarization so I, I just really I really hope that we can um, we can listen to any person in our community that has had any type of oppression or difference and learn from them. So I know you, you haven't had your first meeting yet, but um, with the nature of being an inclusive body, um, do you know if the meetings are gonna be at least viewable by the public as they're happening? Or that's the beauty of a task force is that they're not necessarily beholden to open meeting laws. Do you have any idea if we're gonna be able to see them? Or I have no them? idea yet and I'm sorry oh. I don't. No, it's, you know, I think that to, to create kind of comfort and knowledge of each other, I would hope that the first few would be private, so we can get to know each other and then open it up more. What's um, the, or maybe go back and forth, you know, because I want it to be transparent and I want people to listen in and watch. And yeah. but I also feel like 
you don't want to be putting on a show. You know what I mean? Like you guys yeah. are putting on a show and that, that's really valuable. <laughs> we don't want to be putting on a show, actually. Nobody <laughs> wants us to be putting that, on a show. Actually, but, yeah. No, I, 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 uh, I like, I like that, that you said that. I think there, there's a need to, um, it, it's a, it would be important to kind of build trust in the, in the room before you bring, bring, you know, that, that's, that's going to make the, the cohesion of that group is going to be really, really important. And um, so I like that. So I'd as you have. as you understand it, uh, Jen, what's like the output of the group? What's the goal? The objective? Like, what do you? Is there an annual report? Is there recommendations to the mayor? Like, what does the task force charged with accomplishing? Uh, getting everyone to sing "Kumbaya" at the same time on Friday <laughs> nights at seven. No, I have no idea yet, Tom. So I don't want to be like evasive about it. But I think that we really have to. I would assume that we're going to make recommendations. That's usually what a task force does. The task force studies something, discusses something, generates ideas, and then usually has recommendations or or an action plan. So you would bring the perspective of a school committee member, and then you would also provide the link back to, into the school committee of what yes. the task force is yes. talking about. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be curious to see what the uh, what the uh, you know what the goals are, what the you know what the recommendations are, and, and where how do you because how do you get something like this to actually translate into action, to translate into change, and moving things forward. Yeah, and I'm a really impatient person. So I, like, it's funny because I'm a social worker, so I can sit and listen to people talk about their problems and support them and finding solutions and all that. And I can be really patient. But when it comes to like doing stuff, uh, you know, there's this great, um, there's a great way of thinking about how groups form and what type of leader are you. I'm a North and a North is like, just do it, just do it. Like, stop talking, let's just jump, you know? And so, I like, I love, I love this opportunity, but I'm also going to be like, let's not just talk. Right. Well, I'm, I'm kind of excited. We talk about how, um, you know, there are last week we, with Jim and there, the Dems had a panel of several groups in Melrose that have kind of filled in this gap before this task force uh, was formed. So I'm I'm interested in seeing how all of those things can convene and coalesce with the power of, um, a centralized like place to do all of that. So thank you for serving on that. Oh, I'm um, excited. Yeah, I was really happy to see your name there. Um, but you mentioned um, COVID, so we, let's back up a little bit if you could, because um, this year has been it's been a crazy year, and I can't even imagine what it must be like uh, sitting behind that screen every other Tuesday night. Um, so how has this year been totally different? Well, that's a, such a loaded question. I'm not. <laughs> How has this year sucked more than other years? Gotcha. This is gotcha media right here. Gotcha journalism. Tell me why it's been so terrible. Um, so I feel really grateful that I have two kids um, because I have I have two daughters um, with my wife Andrea, and you know the one is in third grade and one is in fifth grade, and um, so just talking with them often about like, what do they want? What do they need? And knowing what they want and what they need keeps me really grounded. And also I work in a school. So I, the whole summer, you know, I saw what happened last spring when we weren't in regular session with students and I work with high risk youth ages 14 to 22 who are trying to get a second chance to come back into a high school and graduate. So that when we weren't in school, I mean, you, it's really hard to maintain contact with kids that are like kind of more at risk than the average student. And um, 
it's not the same not to be in person. So I have that whole background that was informing me to really feel very, very strongly. I'm also in a union. And so I kind of could see like what was happening at the national level, the union leadership, not just at the state level, but at the national level and not at just the local level, but at the, the muckety mucks at the very top of the unions were basically feeding lines to their members. Don't go back until it's safe. Don't go back. Don't go back. Don't go back. Don't go back. Don't, but you know, and um, I respect unions very much. I respect kind of what they've done on behalf of, you know, their members in, in, and I am in one. Um, but I was really concerned about that because, um, you know, we were learning a lot about this disease. We've learned so much since last March. So it's, you can't just stay in one place. You have to keep going with what, the research and is saying in real time. And so I, I, I knew that I was going to be very much, let's be in person as much as possible. Let's offer people choices and let's make sure that, you know, teachers who are, you know, have risk factors, significant risk factors and health factors, maybe at home that, you know, they should be working remotely. So I was really for all three plans that the superintendent put together. Um, and uh, so, I'm still there. I, I still want to students as many students to return as quickly as possible. Um, and I worry about the achievement gap and we all own it, right? We own the achievement gap, whether we're on a school committee, whether we work in a school, um, whether we're a parent and we have to make sure that we don't, you know, accidentally do anything that makes the achievement gap worse, right? So where, where are we with all this now? Because Dr. Kuchenberger has said she wants everybody who wants to come back to be able to come back before the school year is out. Yeah, you know, so there's, out, yeah. there's, there's like a June dead, you know, goal, which is, school, yeah. which is the end of the school year. So it's a yeah. nice idea. There's been talk about pool testing. Um, there's, uh, you know, uh, the president uh, of the United States is talking about uh, maybe prioritizing teachers in terms of vaccinations, but like, so like what's happening like this week or, or forward looking right now, school committee wise, like what do we think is going to happen so the pool, with get, getting the, kids back in school? The pool testing has started and that's been going for a bunch of weeks now. And um, it's ramping up. I think we have about a third of people, uh, whether it's teachers or students who have consented to it. Um, it's so we really hope that more people will consent to that. Uh, the superintendents of the Middlesex League just put out a letter that came out tonight that basically says, Com Commissioner Riley, please don't muddy the waters more. We are trying our best to get our students back in. And the, the hardest thing has been that this has all been, you know, you have the state and the federal government kind of telling you some things, but then giving you local control, but then uh, you know, 15 minutes in, a half an hour in, you know, I'm speaking about really a month or two later, they'll then come in and say, here, we're going to change the rules for you. That's been really hard on the teachers. It's been really hard on the administrators and the principals. Like the the, the commissioner really needs to back off and trust that the superintendents, the, the, the unions, the teachers are all doing their best. And Melrose has actually done a really good job of trying to get as many kids in as possible and take care of the teachers and take care of the families. So what are we learning from the pool testing? Is it getting results that we're reacting to or is it confirming what we thought or you know? a lot of negatives? Like I've only heard of negatives. There's certainly been a few positive cases, um, but I don't think we're learning that from the pools. I think we're learning that from people getting tested or having symptoms, yeah. but the, you know, so the pools have come back as far as I know, they've come back kind of like all negative, yeah. but it's a confirmation that the strategy is appropriate and, 
gives more confidence to people, I suppose. Yeah, and if you see what the, has happened with the COVID numbers in Massachusetts, I mean, we had the horrible, horrible spike in November, December, and January, and now it's been like this. You know, now it's starting to level off, and we have to be really careful about what happens next since the you know governor's opening things back up again, this right. new normal that started this week. So, you know, we'll be watching the numbers every single week um, here in Melrose and across the state. So hopefully people will stick with wearing their masks and being very strategic about who they see outside, you know, with distance and keep stay in their pods. So we, we've talked a lot in here on the show. If you had watched, you, you would know that <laughs> um, a lot about how this is disrupting the system, essentially, yeah. that this pandemic is kind of shifting the way we consider education uh, as a establishment. Um, and you mentioned the word choices. Do you envision that post pandemic, well, there's no post pandemic, but when we all can return safely, that we will be offered and afforded some choices on how our students are educated that is kind of outside of the box of that one's posed before? So are you saying are there going to be different choices at the beginning of next school year? Meaning or, like full time in person and yeah. remote? I, I mean, I don't want to speak, this is me guessing, this is not me as a school committee member, this is me as a parent and someone who works in a school, that I would think that next year some people would still want to be going remote, and I think there might be some teachers that still may need to do that too, that there would be a much smaller group of remote teachers and students, and there would be many more in person. And I'd love to see this, uh, this past year really kind of push the way that we because some, some students are having a different experience. Well, they're all having a much different experience. Um, but to afford parents or, or caregivers the opportunity to choose a different or a diff uh, outside the box model, I guess. Yeah, so one of the things that I worked on before I was even on the school committee is um, competency-based education. There was a task force that Cindy Taymor, you know, and Margaret Adams set up many, many years ago now, like probably seven or eight years ago. And I was on that. and. It, that, that's the type of school that I work at. And so, you know, that's like at your own pace, you personalize the learning and you have options and choices about what the way in which you're gonna demonstrate learning as well as how you're going to, you know, do the learning sometimes, but it obviously depends on your age and teachers can still do all sorts of assignments, but then they sometimes give you a menu of what you get to choose of how you're gonna do your learning. So. Melrose has been incorporating that over the last many years and that I think one of the things that we've learned from the pandemic is that some kids do better at home than in school. Some mm -hmm. kids who are really super anxious or have health issues may be better off learning from home. And so now we have the capacity to do that and we've had the practice to do that. And so that may continue to happen um, and th that may help. Um, in all sorts of different ways so, that we don't even know about yet. I've talked about this uh, before the pandemic on the show that uh, one of my daughters uh, actually enrolled uh, part-time in the Ingenuity program, which I didn't even know existed until we got deep into certain discussions uh, with the high school, but it allowed her to take some classes, you know, fully online in a way that was like, I don't know, the teachers are in like Florida and Virginia and they're, they're remote and it's a, it's a program that allowed her flexibility without unenrolling from the school system. And I just thought that was a great feature. This is pre-pandemic uh, and it, you know, that's something that doesn't happen overnight. And it was mm -hmm. nice to learn about it and be able to take advantage of it. And I think what Sam's getting to is like, 
maybe the hope that there's greater flexibility and nuance to this. Of course, it's very difficult when you run a tight ship on a tight budget and you know there's it's in the context of a of a city budget and, and all of that so we're running a little bit long but we did want to get into the budget a little bit with you because mm -hmm. i think that that process just kicked off mm -hmm. if you could just maybe give us a quick uh, little view into kind of where we are in that process and what people should know and weigh I'll in just on. say one positive that i can think of really quickly before we go on to the budget that's that's come out of the covid situation that's really obvious is it's it's helped Melrose get much more tech savvy and it's helped Melrose get one-to-one -one device capacity yeah. through the grants and the money that we got from the government. So like that gives us a lot more flexibility about. So can I just say that that's, that's a non-trivial change, right? So for just mm -hmm. like in my day job, it, it, there's no longer an excuse for, you know, getting a meeting together or whatever. So there's like, one guy is stuck in traffic and the whole meeting gets canceled and the project is is put off or there was a snow day or whatever and now everybody has the technology they've exercised it they've used it from wherever they are and that it's kind of a game changer at a foundational level mm -hmm. so i think people can see that from both their uh, personal professional lives as well as with the with the kids um yeah. but like what does this mean like from the in terms of the budget process and and how are you shaping next year's budget to accommodate flexibility and needs like this? Well, so we're kind of calling next year's budget the COVID, the COVID recovery budget, right? So this, this year is COVID response, next year's recovery, because we really want to try to get back to everyone in person, but that probably won't be possible for every single student and every single teacher. Um, so we're trying to make sure that we have a budget that allows for taking care of any um, unmet needs from this year, right? So we know that we're gonna have some students that are behind. There's some students that are thriving in this environment and there's a bunch of students that are not thriving in this environment. We're gonna have to re-engage with them. We're gonna have to make sure that um, kids when they're coming in for a much longer day, hopefully next year, that they are gonna have to learn how to re-regulate themselves and they're gonna need a lot of behavioral support and what we call social emotional learning. So. You know, we're we. There's a few positions, not many, because it's a level services budget. There's not that. There's very few new positions in there, but the positions that are in there are really targeted to support students getting back into the routine of a full day of school. What's an example of a position like that? What does that mean at the, at the ground level? Um, um, somebody's so, hired to do what? So there's like a behavior specialist that's a part, like a 0.5 position right now at Lincoln that we're proposing to fully give a, um, a full-time position to. And um, it's not about that particular person. It's about the what that person can provide to the students and the staff. So behavior mm -hmm. specialist works on behavioral plans, teaches and trains um, teachers and paraprofessionals and anyone who works with a student, how to best manage that behavior in that student so that that, that student grows all out and away from negative behaviors and towards positive behaviors. And so they're trained to do that and they're trained to teach others how to do it. So is, you mentioned the there are a few positions that you that is that are in the proposed budget. Um, <laughs> last week, we learned that there was a little discrepancy in um, what the city, what the mayor had thought was could be available for the city, uh, for the school line item in the city budget. Um, how do, is there a way, like how do we get involved in helping to advocate for closing that gap, however 
as you know, regular citizens. And um, I think paying attention to school committee um, meetings. So we don't have one this week. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. We have one next Tuesday, and then you know they're we're going to be marching towards you know basically like a budget reconciliation. Like we're going to say we need this, and the mayor is going to say yes or no to it. He's going to have to balance his budget, and then you know then we have to say yay or nay to it as a school committee. So I hope that what the mayor decides is to say yes to the proposed budget because even though it's an increase, it's a conservative. It's a real conservative, cautious budget. It's not aggressive. It's not like overspending. It's, you know, Melrose, I know there was an override, but Melrose hadn't had an override for 33 years prior. And Melrose, if you compare it to the other towns around us, we're still kind of behind. So even even though I know it's hard, it's hard to say, to ask for anything more. This is a level services budget, meaning we are just meeting contractual obligations and adding a few positions. It's not a whole lot more. And there's $5 million in free cash that the city has. So yes, that's right. $5 million. So, you know, we're not asking for something that isn't there. And uh, so you mentioned the override and I don't think anybody considers it to be a a silver bullet is an immediate fix. But I think there are some things that are, you you mentioned above or below the red line mm-hmm. that would be pretty great to have in our schools. There's an ask for um, a diversity director, mm-hmm. um, which with the work that you're doing in the task force and the, all of the work that the community has been doing on, um, you know, uh, equity and inclusion um, seems to be like a pretty good idea to hire a person to do that work. So if we're already struggling to get this level service, how do we how do we achieve additional, like that extra wants that you want to have? And then I think there's the arts director too, right? We'd really like to have the, you know, yes, there's, the, uh, there's everything, you know, we'd like to have an, an assistant principal at the middle school, another one. And those are the three big ones that got next and you know yeah. we hope next year you know but people have already been like waiting for yeah a long time well, the arts the arts the arts director that uh, you know to sam's point that the, the different uh, diversity director like brings you know really really important things to the table that we've been talking about in melrose um and arts director is going to also bring some of that social emotional mm-hmm. um experience back to the kids and be able to do some of the behavioral things that you're trying you know arts or or an expression, like be able to reach kids and be able to do work in partnership with some of these other groups for social emotional learning, for behavioral issues, for expression and healing and all that kind of stuff that we need to, you know, post COVID, it's uh, they're all important players in this, in this. So in the budget process though, you talk about the mayor, but I don't think the mayor alone gets to decide, right? The city council has to approve the budget for the city, which includes the school's budget, right? Isn't that how the process works? Well, the mayor has to provide a balanced budget, right? Yeah. And and so um, there's levers on both sides that, you know, he sits on the school committee, right? Yeah. So he's a voting member of the school committee. And then he, you know, it's, it, there's really, it's three different kind of, the three different bodies that interact, but the mayor has more, I'd say has more power and influence than the other two, you know, like okay. the, the, the thing that we can do is we can say, you know, we don't accept the balance, the budget that he offers. We can say, we're either going to have to approve it or not approve it. Interesting. <laughs> so, like, so you know, like a lot of fun decisions have happened in the last year. A lot so of you, fun. <laughs> yeah. 
That's who, the sarcasm. Who? Sorry, I shouldn't. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Who prepares the budget, though? The superintendent of schools prepares the budget. Is that how it works? So presents it to schools, the school committee? The super, the, for the schools, the superintendent has prepared and proposed a budget. Yeah. And, and she's got a big, huge budget book. And it's an incredible, it's an incredible document. I mean, you should look at it because you can, it, you know, she and Leah Secor, they did an amazing job. Oh. You can just click in and you can check out different sections and it's, it's very detailed. So um, I invite you to, when you're having trouble sleeping because of the wind, go ahead and peruse that for a little while. <laughs> I will put in a link to the 198 page uh, school committee agenda from Tuesday. Yeah, February I, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm probably not one to dig into that at that level of detail, but I do like to understand the process. So the superintendent prepares it, presents it to the school committee. That's who mm -hmm. she works for, right? Correct. And uh, you guys have to approve it. And then, uh, but the mayor is a member of the school committee. So like, can you approve something that he doesn't agree to, or does it have to come from the mayor to you to accept the final version? Like where's the final say happen? Um, it's a process, right? So we, we, spend a couple months going through different parts of the of the budget proposal very very carefully like right now we're working on fees and um you know how much is it going to cost to go to the ecc next year and how much our school um athletic fee is going to be and band fees and so that's where we're at right now and then we'll move on to the special education part of the budget um but before that we're going to have individual school principals review their budgets. So, you know, you kind of, you dig in into one section, you focus, focus on it for a while, you may have to do some voting on fees, and then you move to the next section. And, you know, during this time, I think at the same time, Paul Broder is working on how to prepare a, a balanced budget for the entire city. Is any money coming from the state, the feds? Uh, oh, yeah. COVID relief? Yeah. It's but we don't know money. how much yet, you know. So we have money left over from certain grants, and we're, we'll definitely get more. But all of that money should go to all the protective gear that we're going to need, you know, the masks yeah. and the plastic right. stuff and preparing, you know, different types of setups in classrooms and then also all the testing, you know. Right. And, mm -hmm. and and we should spend that money to get 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 teachers vaccinated. So in the letters, the letter that came out tonight from the superintendents from the Middlesex League, it's very clearly saying like the next thing that you should do, Mr. Commissioner, Mr. Governor, please get the teachers vaccinated. If you want us to have kids back full time, you got to take care of that. It's like yeah. a gaping hole, right? <laughs> so the, 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 they propose in this letter, like, let's, let's vaccinate the teachers on Friday afternoons at the schools. And that's the fastest way we could get it done, you know, and then the teachers have two days to like, you know, feel better or feel worse, depending right. on what happens. Sorry, with that did vaccine. you say, I, I didn't hear you, did you say at the schools, at the location where the people already are? Bring, Is that what bring, you said? Bring the vaccinations bring the where vaccine, the to where the people why are. <laughs> why don't we get everybody on a crowded bus and drive them to Gillette Stadium every Friday? <laughs> Field trip. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's sometimes field staggering trip. when you We're use logic, right? <laughs> we can do oh my goodness. It's 9.13. I know. We've been yeah. deep yeah. into the details. Uh, I think, uh, um, but but there's so much to cover. That with was you. really and, interesting. And just Thank thanks you. for uh, going through it. Uh, Stephanie Thornwall Catalini is in agreement to vaccinate. Oh, good. good. Yes. We love you, yes. Stephanie. Love you. See you soon, honey. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so we covered a lot of ground. Thank you for informing you. and educating us and taking us along. Uh, what one recommendation if people want to follow along? Should they just watch the school committee meeting? Should they read Karaji <laughs> in the patch? Like, what's the? How do you keep your finger you on the pulse of all this stuff? Sign up for Jen's newsletter, also. Jen McAndrew, other Jen. Yes. Has a yeah. newsletter. I yeah. mean, there's so much information and ways That's of the getting problem. the information, right? <laughs> so um, you can go on the city website and you can read the packet, but that's awfully long. If you, know, you could I, recommend one thing, is there like a Twitter account, somebody tweeting this out? I think out, Jen McAndrew's version? page is probably the easiest. Perfect. You know, she's a you know, she's the communication director as her day job. So she's pretty good at at putting, you know, the most salient things out there. You know. All right, that's a hot tip okay. for all the okay. viewers there of LTMM. The last thing I'm doing is I'm recommending books because part of what we should all be doing is continuing to learn about yes. our history as the United States of America. These two books I've read in the last couple of months, and they're great. So awesome. Isabella Wilkerson, this this book came out, The Warmth of Other Suns came out, whoops, uh, yeah. many years ago mm -hmm. now, and then she just followed it up this past year with Cast. Yeah. So, I, I I heard a review about Cast that this was one of the best books they've read in uh, years and years. We'll get we'll get that on our on it's, our page. It's really it, you know if you like Malcolm Gladwell with Cast, let's say it's a little bit like that. Um, it's a lot of sociology and history mixed in, yeah. and psychology. And yeah. this is really about the migration from the South to different parts of the United States following three people, oh, wow. great. Um, the Great Mar Migration. So, anyway. All right. Thank there you. you. That was awesome. awesome. You know what? This might be the founding episode of the LTMM book club. Book club. <laughs> All right. There we go. All right. Fabulous. Here we go. So, here we go. Uh, this is where we dance it off. We oh, will see you around town. Oh, you get to dance again. Exactly. Here we go. You know the sound, Jen. <laughs>